0: We're going to call it the enemy report. Those that do reconnaissance missions. Those that report on the activity of the enemy. It's troop buildup. Many of us have troop buildup in our life. You know, that incident that happened to you way back when? That's a troop buildup in your life. You know, our enemy, enemy report, enemy report. Our enemy oftentimes. creates areas of abuse and neglect in a future believer, in a born-again believer's life. In all life, as a matter of fact, you'll find that the enemy, our enemy, our God's enemy, our God's enemy attacks us so much so in our youth. Because in our youth, we're ultra-vulnerable. We can't. Push back against the tides of insecurity that our parents may themselves be victims of, that they unconsciously push into our lives. How much of my insecurities come from my mother's insecurities? How much of my insecurities come from my father's insecurities? How much of my life is just the perpetuation of their pain? How much of my life is a perpetuation of their dysfunction? And it's not so much even an economical thing because if I'm dysfunctional spiritually, then I'm dysfunctional, period. There is no peace. There's no peace in the vessel. So money don't solve this problem. Money just changes the attire that the problem is wrapped around. That the problem is clothed in. Money just gives the appearance of something different. How many of us are living broken lives? How many of us are living the lives of our mothers and fathers? Living out their dysfunction. Living out the destiny of their dysfunction. Living out the future of their dysfunctional lives. How many of us lived that life? How many of us have lived that life? So often I I realize in my heart and my mind that I'm living the life of someone else. I'm not living my own life. I'm living the life of a father that didn't care for a wife. I'm living the life of a mother that didn't live the life of Christ. I'm living their lives I'm fulfilling in many ways Their dastardly dreams Because I'm taking on their personality In little bits and little shapes And little forms Why do I think like this? It's because the culture I was born in Why do you feel like that? Because the culture You was exposed to I don't know an original thinker. I never met an original mind. I never met an original thought. Hey, 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 it's all of my thoughts. Hey, hey, Our designer thoughts. All of my thoughts Our designer dreams. I just recently met myself. I just recently met me. Just recently got introduced to myself. My spiritual self. Have you ever been introduced to your spiritual self? That's a different person. It's a different personality. You know, I think most of our problem is the fact that we've never met our spiritual self. I'm gonna have to wrap this up in, a, in a, a, a little blanket and deliver it real soft and slow on a pillow of love. Most of our problem... And my opinion is that we've never met our spiritual self. I'm talking to the born again believer now. I'm talking to the born again believer. I'm talking to the born again believer. Okay, I'm not talking to somebody that's just trying to get rich, applying the principles of God. I'm not talking to somebody that's trying to get the things that God has so they can be a little bit more wealthy. I'm not talking to those individuals. I'm talking to the born again believer that wants to go out and meet the Lord. I can fix my finances. I can fix my life, but I can't fix the fact that I don't know him and the power of his resurrection and sharing in his suffering. I can't fix that with money that I don't share in his suffering. Sometimes I'm overwhelmed with grief and I just bit into a sandwich. Because I sense the poverty of the world. I start to pray and I wish I could do more. But I don't have 10,000 tongues. But I got one tongue that the Holy Spirit is attached to. So I use it. Personality wars. Personality cult. I was following personalities that was not like my Lord for so long. Just naturally following them. Why? Because they were familiar personalities. Despair. Heartache, brokenness, is comfortable when that's all you know. Many of us born-again believers don't seek for another understanding because we're comfortable with misery. My mother was miserable. My father was miserable. I've, in fact, never really known a happy person. I don't know what that looks like. They might even come to time or come a point in time where a happy person is cursed. What's wrong with that person? They're too happy. I can't hang around them. They're too happy. I need somebody a little bit miserable like me so I can talk to them more freely. See, I don't, I'm tired of fellowshipping with the miserable. I want to talk to the rejoice. The rejoice. I want to talk to the joyful. I want to talk to those that have found peace in Christ. Where are they at? because they're not religious where they at because they're not self-righteous those that have found peace in Christ those that have found comfort in the Lord where are they? I don't see one. I can't find any. Many of the believers I know are on the spiritual struggle bus. And they don't seem to be able to get off. I understand sometimes you have to take the struggle bus from point A to point B, but you can't continue to ride on the spiritual struggle bus. You know what the spiritual struggle bus is? The spiritual struggle bus is not knowing who you are in Christ. That's a spiritual struggle bus. A spiritual struggle bus is not applying your life and comparing your life to the word of God that you find in the Psalms of your life. That's the struggle bus because you have nothing to compare your life to except yourself. That's a struggle bus. When you are the only thing you can compare yourself to in terms of a higher thought pattern, you own a struggle bus, and you belong to Jesus. See, the world will tell you to read a book. World will tell you to read uh, Napoleon Hill over and 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 over, and over again. But Napoleon Hill can't change your spirit. It can't fix your relationship with Christ. Napoleon Hill can't fix your relationship with God. If that's your goal. See, some people just want things from God. They don't want to fix their relationship with God. Some people just want the secret of knowing how to tap, tap into the treasure trolls of God and take a little bit for themselves, but they don't want to know God. They want the keys to be able to go into the storehouse. And pick them out a blessing, but they don't want to know God. They don't want to know the one that stands at the gate. At the door. That's not their investment point. Their investment point is the knowledge. The knowledge of God is their investment point. The belief in God is their investment point. But you know that the enemies of God believe in God and tremble. You can't seek to know God and it don't mean anything. That's a double negative. Anything? No, actually it's not. you gotta wanna know God, you gotta wanna know the Lord, you gotta wanna know Jesus, you gotta wanna know Jesus, you gotta wanna know Jesus, you gotta gotta truly wanna know want to know him. What his personality is like, what makes him happy, what makes him sad, what makes him cry. You gotta wanna know him, what makes him laugh. You are courting the Lord Jesus Christ to want to come hang out with you to want to come and be around you and, and take confidence in talking with you and that comes through the spirit of understanding the fear of the Lord See, many of us don't fear the Lord properly. There's a proper fear of the Lord. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's an aspiration, and an inspiration that brings fear. But to fear the Lord means that you know he's coming. So you're cleaning up your house constantly for him. You're cleaning out the things in your heart for him. So when he comes, he can find you at peace in him. See, what are you living to do? You living to please yourself, other men, other situations? or Are you living to prepare your life for Christ to come and examine it? To come and dwell in it. To be a part of it. Are you living a life that's going out to meet him? That means you got to clean up some things. You got to clean up some things. You got to expose the dark parts of your life, the dark secrets of your life. You got to allow the Lord to dust the vessel off. be afraid of allowing the Lord to witness who you truly are. Don't hide from the Lord as if he can't find you. See, I can hide in my arrogance and say, it'll be alright. I'll be a little better next year. I'll be a little better tomorrow, but today when you can't hide from the Lord when you know you can't hide from Him, there's nothing to, to, to there's nothing to cover up when you know you can't hide from the Lord there's nothing to cover up I can't cover up because I know I can't hide a child that know I can't hide doesn't cover up. Have nothing to hide from your Lord is freedom. What I mean by hiding is that I can hide in arrogance. I can hide in my unwillingness to read his word. know, there's a resistance in the flesh of Reading the word of God, of listening to the word of God. Why? Because every time you read the word of God, what does it do? It tells you about yourself. If you're listening to the word of God, it don't tell you about the things that's broken in your life. Then there's something wrong with your reading. Every time I pick up the Bible, I'm reminded of how much I need him. Every word that I place into my eye reminds me of how much I can't see him without him. Every book, every chapter reminds me of how much I need him. That's when you know you're reading the word of God properly with the right spirit. You know, I used to read the word of God and I used to throw aside the things that kind of bothered me. I didn't read those things too much. The things that talked about this, things that talked about that. I kind of let those things kind of like slip around. I focused on things that made me feel good, things that made me happy. Things that reminded me of his love, his mercy, his joy, his peace, his protection. Found comfort in those things and I slipped And skated and slid around the things that talked about his judgment. But then when I got to know him, I got to love his judgment too. When I got to know him, I got introduced to the sweetness of his judgment. The sweetness of his judgment. And I fell in love with his judgment as well as all the good things, all of this and all of that, the things I consider good. But his judgment is good. It's just as good as his righteousness. It's just as good as his mercy. It's just as good as his peace. His judgment is just as good. See, I want to fall in love with the complete man. I didn't want to just fall in love with, with segments of a person. You know, all right, you know, ooh, mm, mmm. This is a natural conversation. You know, you fall in love with a person. You like, like this part about him. you like that part about them, this, but you don't like that part. You hate that part about her. You hate this. You hate the fact that they snore. You hate the fact that their feet don't smell like you like them. To... You hate certain things about them after a while. You start off loving them. You start off ingratiating them. And all of a sudden, the things that you began to love and thought were cute now getting on your nerves. God ain't like that. You can't come to God but with the things that gets on your nerves about God. You can't exclude him out of your life over the things that you don't like about him. What you don't like about him, that he judges you, what you don't like about him, that he corrects you, what you don't like about him. That he's disciplining you. You don't like his discipline. Then you don't like the total man. Talking about Jesus. You got to like the total man. He's a complete God. He's not lacking anything. He's complete in mercy. He's complete in peace. He's complete in judgment. He's a complete God, meaning that he has all the things that are needed for him to sustain the government of his own life, the government of his own soul, the government of his own purpose. Within him, he has the strength to fulfill it in himself. He's asking us because of love to be willing. To put our flesh and blood on it as he put his flesh and blood on it. So we got a joint flesh and blood agreement. When I gave him my spirit, I gave him my flesh and blood. Because life is in the blood. The spirit is in the blood. When I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, I gave him my blood. I gave him my flesh. And he crucified it with him. Now I can be resurrected in victory, in his victory. I can be resurrected in peace, in his peace. I can be resurrected in mercy, in his mercy. I got to be resurrected, though. I can't lay down dead. He was resurrected. So that's how another mind is resurrected in me. That's how that's why the scripture says, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, because you got a resurrected mind. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, because you got a resurrected body. You got a resurrected spirit. You have passed from death to life. Already. The day that all things are placed under his feet, it will be manifested. You got a right now, God. You got a right now, ready, God. A right now, ready, ready, right now, God. You got a right now, ready, ready, God. Your God is not weak. Your God is a consuming fire.